Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high achieving and ambitious mid level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. Happy January. So we're doing clinics this month. Last week was a resume clinic. This week I'm doing a LinkedIn clinic and next week it'll be an interview clinic. And in each of these, I'm giving you five action steps for that category. Um, And these are not specific to the pandemic. It's just the reality that uh, we are in a pandemic. So don't think that any of the suggestions I'm giving are applicable only to our current situation and environment. And I also want to say if you're happily employed right now, you're still going to get valuable feedback from these clinics. So don't turn off if you're uh, if you're okay work-wise. All right, I want to give the same caveat as I gave last week. Anything that I talk about in these clinics or really any of the action steps that I ever give you in this podcast are only going to be useful with that with the proper mindset. So if you're struggling to stay on task with your job search, your you know goals that you have for your career, you're kind of hiding and you you know that you've stepped kind of taken your foot off the gas. I highly recommend listening to episode 154, which is five ways that mind drama can creep into your job search. I did that episode with life coach Jane Springer, and we really looked at five different ways that um, you can let your mind kind of derail you during a job search and what to do about each of those and how to come up with different thoughts that will serve you better. So let's kind of tuck into these five action steps for LinkedIn. My disclaimer will be the same with each of these. If you can get professional help with someone like me to write your LinkedIn profile and also give you one-on-one instruction, get on a Zoom call with you and walk you through your profile, show you how to do things that will maximize your time on LinkedIn, then by all means do it. But what I'm going to give you today is going to be for those of you that are doing this on your own. I also want to say that it's so important to remember that LinkedIn is often, your profile is often seen by recruiters before they ever see your resume. I find still today many people who think of LinkedIn as either unnecessary um, or, you know, kind of an add-on that's nice to have but not required, doesn't really matter. It should just be a cut and paste of your resume, get get it done with. They don't spend any time active on there. And that is a huge, huge mistake. So keep that in mind. They're seeing your LinkedIn profile in many cases before your resume. So number one, update your profile. The first of the year is a great time to do that. And I'm going to give you some specific areas to look at. I've done entire podcast on updating your LinkedIn profile, so I'm not going to go into depth with any specific area. I'm going to give you some high points here. If you don't know how to do any of the things that I tell you to do in here, reach out to me, shoot me an email, and I'll be glad to walk you through how to get to that section of your profile or how to do what I'm telling you to do. 
So number one, update your photo if it's more than a couple of years old and make sure that it's a headshot, professional, just you, no dogs, cats, spouses, uh, co-workers, whatever in the picture. Number two, make sure your heading is reflective of what you are looking for next. That's a key place that recruiters search. And so that's the right underneath your picture up at the top. Um, oftentimes the, the default is that you can have your current job title and company's name on there. That is a waste of that space. You have 220 characters. I want you to use every one of them as, or as many of them as you can. So really think about what is that aspirational job that you're looking for and what do you bring to the table you know, that would entice an employer. And again, I've done podcasts on this. I'm not going to go into tons of examples. Number three, tell your story in a compelling way in your about section. So that's up at the top. People will read that in its entirety if it is interesting. So use the same kind of language that you would use as if you were having a conversation with the reader across a table. It should be written in first person. I do not like the, I don't like the third person at all. It just sounds, to me, it sounds arrogant. Like so-and-so is a blah, blah, blah. No, just tell them what you have done. I am blah, blah, blah. And also, I don't like it when people leave out the the personal pronouns. So that's number three. Number four, update your skills section and then duplicate those skills at the bottom of your about section. So let me walk you through this. This really helps with SEO. So go into your skills section. I recommend an annual audit. What do you need to remove? What do you need to add? Do you need to reorder those in a different, you know, putting some more important things up towards the top? Once you've done that, then you go to your about section, which we just talked about. So you've got all this professional experience stuff. Then I like to do a little brief paragraph that says, when I'm not working, I enjoy fly fishing and oil paints. And then after that, I do specialties dot dot. And I duplicate the things that my client has put in their skills section. Again, that really helps with SEO. So just do it old school. I have them update the skills section. I take a piece of paper out. I write those skills down. I go up and I type them into the specialty um, after specialties in the about section. Next, get at least three recent recommendations. So if you don't have any I can walk you through how to get started on this. If the last one that you have is from 2013, we have a problem. So we want three that were written in 2020, 2021. And you want to think about who can say the things you want said about you. This is particularly useful with soft skills that you don't want to say about yourself on your resume, right? If you're a great team player, and that's one of the strongest suits that you bring to an employer, telling an employer that you're a team player has no bearing, it has no weight. But if a trusted third-party expert, as I like to call them, says Sue is an amazing team player and then goes on to give an example, that's going to be important. So think about what do you want said about you? Who can say that about you best? And then tell the person when you ask them to write the recommendation for you. I'm hoping you will talk about how I was a great team player during the XYZ project. Now, they may not take your advice, they but they probably will. And they'll probably be grateful that you gave them some direction uh, and they didn't just have to, you know, come up with something off, you know, the top of their head. Next, Write your professional experience section in the same first-person voice as your about section. So don't skimp on 
your professional. I see a lot of people that don't put anything but the job title and the company name and the years of employment. And that is missing a huge opportunity, not only to tell your story, but also it, it's going to increase the chance that you're going to have those keywords in your in your, in your um, profile that employers are looking for. So give the same kind of care and attention and thoughtfulness to the professional experience section. And then finally, eliminate ancient history from your professional experience. We want to go back 15 to 20 years, kind of depending on where your career breaks are, your job changes are. But we don't want to go, I see, still see profiles with jobs from the 80s in there. Ah, you are automatically telling an employer you are old. <laughs> we don't want to do that. So about 20 years. Number two, get at least 500 connections. So first I want to talk about how to kind of connect the kind of the etiquette of that. And then I want to talk about why 500 connections is important. So my, my belief is that when you ask someone to connect with you, you don't want to scare them off with a lengthy email that sounds needy, pushy, salesy, whatever it may be. I do it like, Sarah, I see we're both connected to John Jones, let's connect. Or, John, it was a pleasure meeting you at such and such an event, let's connect. So very brief, very simple, but I am customizing it. I'm not just doing the generic one that comes with LinkedIn. Now, the reason for getting to 500 connections is then you have that 500 plus connections on your profile. So people kind of know that you're playing some, at least semi-seriously. It also increases your footprint on LinkedIn significantly with every connection you make. So the way I define a footprint on LinkedIn is it's who you're connected to and who they're connected to. When you go onto LinkedIn, it's very easy. Of course, you can see who you're connected to, but it's also very easy to see who your connections are connected to. You are called, it's called second level connections. So let me give you some math, right? So if we call your footprint, the people you're connected to, the people they're connected to, if you're connected to 500 people and they're each connected to 500 people, you then have a footprint of 250,000 people. So to put that another way, you have ready access to a quarter of a million people and a quarter of a million people have ready access to you. You become more visible every time you add a connection. I like to go for quantity over quality until you get to 500 and then you can be more strategic and I'm going to talk about that in the next bullet point. What I mean by the quantity is go for the low-hanging fruit. The people that you know will connect with you because you are friends, colleagues, former colleagues, neighbors, uh, good friends of good friends, people that you're, you're not trying to go for the CEO at this point. If you have 17 connections on LinkedIn, I don't want you going for the CEO. He's going to look at you and think, oh, she's not serious, right? I don't connect with people who have 17 connections because I'm not willing to trade my over 5,000 connections for their 17. It seems like a very inequitable trade. So get to that 500 level. And then now number three is to get strategic about who you connect with. So once you've gotten to the 500 connections, now you can start thinking about decision makers and other key people in your ideal employers. You can use the same strategy for connecting with them. So you say something like, you know, John, I see we're both connected to so-and-so, let's connect. John, I see we both went to whatever university, let's connect. John, I was particularly impressed by your something about their profile, their experience, their whatever. 
you're showing them that you're not just picking them from a laundry list of people you might want to connect with, which is what LinkedIn shows you. You want to give some thought to this. So number three, you can get strategic with your connections once you've gotten to that magic number of 500. Number four, cultivate those connections. I did a, an, a, a blog post years ago that said LinkedIn shouldn't be the place that your connections go to die, but for many people it is, right? So once these people have accepted your invitation to connect, you want to start a conversation. Keep in mind that this first conversation is a, like a first date. So really think of it as such and try not to kind of maul the connection with too much, too quickly, too, you know, too big a request, too needy, too graspy, any of that. Get it, keep it conversational and see how it goes. For example, if the connection happened to be a decision maker at one of your target employers, then your first post-connection message, right? So they've already accepted your connection. It, you could say something like, Paul, thanks for connecting. It seems like whatever the name of the company is that Paul works for has fared well during the pandemic. Congratulations. What have you experienced in your department, right? So just something to get them talking. You're not asking him for anything to give you anything other than just to converse with you. They may or may not do that. The ones who don't, it's not about you. It's about them. Don't take it personally. Here's another uh, um, option. Sue, thanks for connecting. How are things at whatever Sue's company is? And then depending on how they respond, you may have a follow-up question. They may ask you a question you can answer. Let it develop organically. First date, second date, third date. And eventually, depending on the circumstance and who this person is, you may ask them, hey, do you have 15 minutes so we could do a Zoom call? and take it from there. Or there may be some other way that you want to carry this thing to the next level. So that's number four. Number five, engage with the community. I spend 15 minutes a day engaging on LinkedIn and I get tremendous benefit from those 15 minutes. So I'm going to tell you what I do. And this is actually in the order that I do it in. And there's a reason that I won't bore you with, but there's a reason that I do them in this order. Respond to messages. So I'm going to go into my message tab and I'm going to see who has written me. I, I just save it for those daily 15 minutes rather than doing them when they come into my inbox because I, I get them all day long. So I respond to messages. Then I answer requests to connect. So anybody who they'll show me right there pending recommendations and I decide whether I want to connect with them or not. Next, I greet those who have accepted my invitation to connect so I can go into my connections, I can see who's new, and I can see whether I've already said thanks for connecting to them, or maybe it's they asked me to connect with them and I accepted their invitation. That's all going to show up there, and I can say thank you. That's all I do in the first time around is thanks for connecting. Next, I'm going to congratulate connections. It's going to show me in the notification section birthdays, new jobs, work anniversaries, promotions, all of that. And I'm going to send out congratulations. And one thing that I've started doing in the last few months that's really getting traction is when you do, like just to say it's happy birthday, there's a, a depending on how you pronounce it, a GIF or a GIF button that you can click. And then I put birthday up in the box and that's going to show me all the gifts that are birthday related and I just cut and paste the word birthday. So every time I do a happy birthday, I plug in birthday into the into the search bar and I get a gift and I send a different gift out to each person just that says happy birthday. People are really responding to that because I'm not just saying happy birthday, I'm sending them a, you know, a a, a gift and they really like it. 
And I do that for, you know, congrats on work anniversaries, promotions, anything of that, and just put congratulations into the search box. The next thing I do with the remainder of my 15 minutes is I engage in the groups that I'm a member of um, and with my connections post. So I've got the groups that I've joined. I think right now I only have about five. I've really narrowed that down. Um, because I had a lot of groups that were very salesy. So I've changed that and, and eliminated groups that just didn't feel like I was getting any benefit out of that. But I engage in those groups by answering questions, making comments. Maybe I have my own question to ask. Maybe there's content I want to share, any of that. And then the final thing that I do is go into my connections posts, right? Um, and that which is the home page, and I see who's said something there or shown me something that I want to comment on. So that's what I do with my 15 minutes. And you and it's, notice what's not part of this, right? I'm not connecting with people. I'm not researching companies. That's not engagement per se as I define it. This is how I define engagement. The, the last thing that I uh, want to say about engaging with the community is I post daily to both my profiles. So I have a personal profile, Lisa Edwards, and I have a business profile, Exclusive Career Coaching. And I I post, sometimes it's the same content, sometimes it's different content, but I am regularly posting content. It can be me sharing that week's podcast. It could be an inspirational meme. It can be sharing an, an older podcast. It can be letting them know of an upcoming webinar that I'm doing, um, all of those kinds of things. So that may or may not be useful for you. You have to look at your situation, but I'm wondering if you have an area of expertise within your work that you've done that you could write about and just do a post, um, post or short, then they've got articles if you want to go a little bit longer so that you can continue to promote yourself as a subject matter expert. And it increases your visibility on LinkedIn. So those are my five action steps for LinkedIn. I'm going to go over those again. And again, if you have any technical questions about any of this, if any of this went completely over your head, just shoot me an email, lisa, L-E-S-A, at exclusivecareercoaching.com, and I'll be glad to answer your questions or walk you through what I'm talking about. So number one, update your profile. We talked about all the steps in that. Number two, get to at least 500 connections quantity over quality till you get to 500, then number three, then go more strategic and start asking decision makers and key people to connect with you. Number four, cultivate those connections. Thank them for connecting with you. Decide what you want the next question to be. Don't blow them you know, away with too much information, too much request right off of the bat. Let it happen a little bit more organically than that. And then number five, engage with the community. I spend 15 minutes a day. You get to decide what works for you, but just that little amount of time can make a huge difference. All right. I hope this has been helpful for you in the LinkedIn clinic for the pandemic. Next week will be an interviewing clinic for the pandemic, and I'll see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.